You're listening to a Comics XF podcast. WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the Comics XF interview podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grove. And I'm Matt Lasowitz. And this week's guest is the Senior Vice President of Business Development for Mad Cave Studios, Mark Irwin. Welcome. Good to meet you guys. So, Mark, what are some of the first comics you remember reading? Oh, boy. Um, I was uh, <laughs> I had two hippie uncles uh, and they basically gifted me with a stack of National Lampoon, Heavy Metal and Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers when I was like five or six. OK, yeah, probably way above my uh, my comprehension at that point. But uh, yeah, it was great stuff. You, usually, then, the kid, uh, you know, usually the kids start with Archie, but but you go yeah, right <laughs> to the fabulous furry freak brothers. Love it. Right, right <laughs> yeah, comics yeah. With an X. <laughs> no, and I had I had, you know, friends on the same block that um a lot of them had like, you know, Richie Rich and Red Hot and uh mm-hmm. or look Little Devil. Is I I forget what the the devil character's name was. Hot stuff or whatever. Yeah, yeah. hot stuff. Yeah, That's what it stuff. was. Yeah. And then uh Kiss Comics and Oh my gosh, there was all sorts of stuff going on. That was back in the old Marvel days. So, you know, mm. it was just constantly getting the stimulus of art, you know. So uh Mad Cave is based in Miami. Where are are you based there or are you based el- parts elsewhere? I am based in San Diego. San um, Diego. Is, yeah. Our our offices, our corporate offices are in Miami. Mm-hmm. But much, you know, like much of the world, our staff is pretty spread out all over the country. And, um, you know, we work together via Zoom and Slack and all of those cool little things. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it's funny. See, see the, that was going to be my lead into asking about hurricane season. But that's not a actually you guys had a hurricane this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we got hit with a hurricane here in San Diego, although. uh Luckily for us, uh, where I'm, where I'm at, um, it was just a lot of rain, a lot mm-hmm. of wind, but nothing too, uh, nothing too bad. I think the folks uh, out east got hammered worse than we did. So, mm-hmm. yeah, climate change is real. That means that means our side's due for an earthquake. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Boy, but uh, you know, let's get into it here. You know, looking around the industry this year, I I'm see. Personally, I feel like I'm seeing a lot more risk aversion than usual, you know, from from publishers. I'm seeing reduced output, more single issue comics with higher price points, you know, licensing deals that are made clearly to keep one publisher from shuttering altogether, mass layoffs and a scaling back of original content and another, you know, a lot of playing it safe. And then I look at you guys. I look at Mad Cave. And I'm seeing growth. I'm seeing licensing deals. I'm seeing creators whose work I've liked elsewhere launching new series at Mad Cave, and you know expansion into the the, the y, expansion of the YA middle grade markets. What is making this a time of opportunity for y'all? Um, you know, we try to look at uh, the market as as a whole, and that means the book market and the direct market, and. You know, you try and look for where the trends are and you try to be mindful of kind of what your own strengths are. And Mad Cave, you know, we're a little mad, right? We've uh, we've sort of been out there doing kind of weird books that are like a little bit off the beaten path. And um, I think because of that sort of approach to the direct market, um We've sort of applied that in the YA market as well. Um, we've it's allowed us to reach out to a lot of different creators, both independent and kind of mainstream creators, um, and have them work with us on things that they want to work on and things that we want them to work on. Um, and then I think you know the acquisition of Paper Cuts last year was kind of a big move for us. Um, that allowed us uh, to gain a, a better foothold in the book market than we had at that point with just Maverick. Um, You know, having those two kind of side by side has really opened up uh, the possibilities for us. Um, And then, you know, you, you just look around and if you think about publishing as a whole, um, you really do need to have your, your finger in a lot of different pies. Um, 
you know, whether it's, uh, you know, action adventure, you know, fun, like the, the adventure stuff that we all loved as kids growing up with uh, floppy comics, mm-hmm. all the way to romance or to um, licensed properties, you know, that uh, still have a, a heavy set following, you know. Um, when we bought paper cuts, we had the ability to um, to acquire Asterix and the Smurfs and Loud House and Geronimo Stilton. Um, that was kind of those four things were really the reason that really pushed us to acquire uh, paper cuts. Um, and having those four sort of tent poles has really allowed us to not only open the door. Um, to more creator stuff that we wanted to do and more uh, homegrown material that we wanted to attempt to do, but weren't too sure about um, all the way to acquiring more licensed material. Um, Cause people could look at us and say, Oh, you have those four licenses. That's fairly successful. We'll open the door to you working with these licenses. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the mindset. Um, we, we are trying to be pretty strategic next year is our 10 year anniversary. Uh, so a lot of these moves were sort of made with the idea of really going huge in 2024. Um, I can share that there's more to come, um, more excitement, uh, more big announcements uh, on the way from Mad Cave. Um, so yeah, it's just been an exciting time, and we're we look around at all of the, um, uh, you know, uh, I guess issues that uh, other publishers may or may not have. And we try to learn from those things and we hope that we can do things a little bit better than others and uh, just keep applying the lessons that are there being taught to us every day. This is a tough industry and uh, um, the entire publishing industry has really taken a hit over, you know, basically since the beginning of the year. Um, and we're just trying to ride, you know, roll with the punches and uh, and keep being original and keep trying to do cool stuff. And we listen to our fans. We listen to the creators. And, you know, we're just we're out there uh, slogging through it. So. But but what I'm hearing is, is the paper cuts acquisition was really the start of like a domino chain that made a lot of these other things possible, especially in the last year. Right, right. Pretty much. Um, yeah, the paper cuts acquisition was uh, a big deal for us overall. Um, but it also it also sort of solidified the thought process that we have across the board with the company, which is, again, trying to be all things to all people, um, whether it's kids that are just breaking in and learning to read or kids that only want to see something about their favorite cartoon or you know, the YA market um, and how that market is very different than other parts of the book reading market, um, all the way up to our own original Mad Cave titles, Um, you know, still trying to scratch the itch that we all have to do, you know, fun kind of big box entertainment stories. And um, yeah, each thing helps the other thing go. Sure. So, uh, let's let's wind the clock back a little bit here. How did how did you get involved with Mad Cave? You know what what were you doing before this? Uh, well, I've done uh, I've done a little bit of everything over the course of my career. But uh, right before Mad Cave, I was at IDW. Um, I was an executive editor over there, um, working on their direct to consumer products as well as their gaming uh, division, <laughs> and um, kind of in in a in a roundabout sort of way, like a little bit of a jack of all trades over there, um, jumping around from sort of one thing that needed to be taken care of to another thing that needed to be taken care of. Um, so there was a lot of that. And uh, they they laid me off in the year, it's uh, 2023. So they laid me off in 2021. Yeah. Um, and the day they laid me off, uh, I reached out to a, a number of people I knew within the industry and just said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm available. <laughs> and um, a good friend of mine who is a marketing uh, person who I'd worked with at, at a previous stop pr- prior to IDW. Um, she reached out to me and she said, you know, this company mad cave um, might be interested if you're willing to talk to the owner. And I was like, sure. But I had never heard of mad cave. 
Um, it, it literally was over my head. Um, but he and I got on the phone and um, turns out that we had a lot of the, the same wants and hopes for this industry. And uh, it just made sense for us to work together. Now, I mean, you've you've been an artist. You're you're a graduate of the Kubert School. Um, when did you start moving, or what in your career made you move into editorial and business instead of sticking on the that other end of things? Right. Um, well, uh, my first job right out of the Kubert School, uh, like the day after I graduated, was uh, as art director of heavy metal. Oh, wow. um, yeah, that's I, that's a pretty big right out of the gate. Put a land on your feet there. <laughs> I, I was very very lucky. Um, yeah, I had been trying to be an anchor. Um, I had been doing a lot of for like two my my final two years at the Cuba School. I was actually assisting a lot of anchors in the New Jersey area and trying to get my own work, sending out samples the whole nine yards. And um, you know, Adam Kubert, uh, his offices were in the the basement uh, along with Andy. And uh, another guy, an anchor named Mike Sellers, uh, was also in the basement of the Cubert School right next to Andy's office. And I assisted Mike. So I got to know Adam and Andy. Um, Andy and I used to play basketball in the gymnasium down there all the time. And and eventually those guys came to know me. And they also saw that I was like, I, I was a little bit older than the average Cubert student. Um, I had just had my first daughter. Um, and I was fairly desperate for a job and, uh, Adam came, came to me about two weeks before graduation really and said, Hey, uh, you want to work at heavy metal? And that just, it just kind of worked out. Um, and you know, that was a great job. I mean, I was only there for a month, um, because right after I started, uh, like two days after I started, I was offered a job at Wildstorm, um, and it was a chance to come home and uh be in their internship program and everything so i promptly got somebody who was way better at paste up some mechanicals than i was to from the cubert school to replace me at heavy metal and i parted on great terms with them uh kevin eastman is still what a what a great guy you know um and uh i went to wildstorm but when i got to wildstorm and worked in their inter internship program as an anchor um they had a consumer products department and the people that were running the consumer products department, and it was Ted Adams, uh, who started IDW, and Chris Prisco, who also started IDW. Um, they sort of took notice of my background, that I had been this art director, and kind of had like a wide skills skill set. I, I, I always tell everybody I'm a jack of all trades, master of nothing, you know, Um and they brought me in to help them sort of be an art director within the consumer products department. And over time, I started picking up some editorial stuff and project management stuff and ended up just sort of be, again, you know, consistently adding like a new thing to the toolbox, all the while still inking. And then uh, when DC bought out Wildstorm, I left the company after a little bit and moved on to Upper Deck. And Upper Deck was just starting a entertainment division and they needed a jack of all trades to kind of be like a little bit of a glue guy for all of the different aspects of what is needed for gaming. Um, and I had a little tiny bit of experience with gaming because we had done the Wildstorms game at, uh, at Wildstorm. Um, but not much, you know, again, you know, more on the job training and that whole time I was still inking. I would, I would go home at night and, you know, be doing pages and stuff. And I was there for 10 years, um, you know, worked on Yu-Gi-Oh, worked on, you know, you, you, you name it, this Fiverr card game, all of that stuff. And, um, it was a really good experience for me. And I, I learned even more product management and project management. And I worked on toys and I was an art director for the entire entertainment division. So doing everything from trading cards to giant Alex Ross busts and, you know, like all this crazy stuff and um, just gained a lot of experience there. Um, moved on from there and took on business development for a video game company. Again, like a new task of something I didn't know how to do. Um, and kind of, you know, 
trial by fire, like learned how to reach out to video game companies and start working with them and did consulting gigs for Riot and Blizzard and a bunch of other things. And, um, but again, the whole time inking, inking, inking. And um, in 2016, I, I joined a company called Insight Editions. Um, they were looking to start a comics imprint and uh, they had found me on LinkedIn and offered me a chance to start my own imprint. Um, so I went up there and, you know, literally from soup to nuts, um, kind of built that imprint and worked there for almost, I guess, four and a half years. And then um, uh, IDW, uh, no longer the home of the four guys that started it, but who are all my friends, but still, you know, a company that I'd, I'd had like a long sort of, I wouldn't say history with, but I knew the company really well because those guys worked there and they were my friends. And, you know, so I always kind of paid attention and um, they took note of the music books that I worked on um, chiefly the fifth Beatle. Um, I put that whole project together. I actually wrote the manuscript that the, that is in the book itself. Um, it was based on a Broadway play script that Vivek wrote. Um, but I adapted it to the graphic novel. I got Andrew Robinson on that job. I brought that project to Dark Horse. Like that was a big thing for me. And um, and that book obviously was massively successful and um, a great book. But then I also did the Bowie book at Insight and that was a big one. Um, so IDW sort of took notice of that and they gave me this pitch of, we'd really like you to come here and do more of these music graphic novels. Um, it, you know, they're kind of like a upper level quality of graphic novels. So I was, I was excited to do that. Um, but when I got there, uh, there was a lot of sea change along the way. Um, they went through, I think four publishers in my time there. So, uh, my, my job, uh, my job title and tasks, uh, changed often during my time there, but again, experience learning different things. Um, working with a lot of great people. Um, you know, we've hired a couple of XIDW employees here um, that I met during my time there that were great. And uh, yeah, I would just say that my whole career has been like one long learning experience. So, and I, re I retired from making in 2019. I kind of, I couldn't do, I couldn't do both. I couldn't like run an imprint or have like a full-time job that actually required more of me than normal and still be able to maintain the quality level that I, and, and the guys that I was inking are none of them were easy. You know, I was inking guys like Chris Pacello and Doug Mankey and Jim Lee and um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it just, uh, I couldn't keep up the the level that those guys, you know, need. So. Um, when you, when you were doing music stuff or, or when you got to do it at uh, IDW, did you, did you happen to work on the, on the, uh, the Redbone book? chance no that was uh uh justin um isinger i think okay. uh he, he ended up replacing me up at insight actually um when idw kind of went through a lot of uh, personnel changes but um yeah no he he did that one um at the time i was there we were trying to do one with the roots um it didn't ended up not panning out but um yeah, we 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 tried. We had we had, we definitely had a list of things that we wanted to do. Um, it just, you know, for whatever reason, it it didn't work out. So, sure, sure. Um, curious when you were at the Kubert, you know, were you a, a Jersey guy prior to going to the Kubert School, or were you just in Jersey for the the Kubert School? I was just in Jersey for the Kubert School. I'm born and raised here in San Diego. Ah, okay. Um, that that was why the Wildstorm gig was such an important thing for me because it was an opportunity to come home. Um, after three years of being in New Jersey, uh, <laughs> I was very ready to come home. So. Be careful. No disservice to New Jersey. <laughs> you're, you're talking to two North Jersey boys born and bred. And we still have uh, a lot of friends there. So I have a, I have a, long-standing connection with the Kubert school the comic shop I worked at for 15 years was kind of the the shop that all the Kubies went to oh nice yeah so I have a I now need to go one of the 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 shop now is in the basement of the Kubert school oh right yeah that, attached to the store right yeah yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I, I, I actually chose comics because we used to order comics through the Kubert store for the store. And I, I was the one that was picking them out of the diamond catalog. So <laughs> I now need to bug uh, another one of my close friends is the manager of the store still. And I kind of know, okay, so is there still, is there a basketball league, John? What would, you know, <laughs> shirts or skins, you know, intramural Cooper school basketball team. I need to know about this. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it wasn't much of a, it was me and Andy just shooting <laughs> trick, shot, trick shots in the uh, basement. I don't think anybody else even knew that that gymnasium existed. Um, we had a, we had a teacher Oh, I'm going to, I'm I'm going to blank. I'm going to blank on his name right now. Um, but he used to, he used to teach fly fishing when school was out of session and he would take me and one of my roommates, he would take us into the gym and he would teach us like fly fishing in the gym because, you know, you have this huge ceiling so you could do all this, you know, crazy stuff there. So yeah. Good times. <laughs> Well, well, let's let's flash forward to uh, the the present now. What is what is a typical day to day for you now with Mad Cave? You know, uh, are you still in a jack of all trades role, or are you know what is kind of do you have a specific focus? Yeah, I mean, my my focus is growing the business of Mad Cave, um, but uh, I still have a creative role here. Um, you know, covers still go through me um we still uh as a, there's a committee i should say that does covers but um we also are the ones that you know work through the talent search uh choices all of that kind of stuff i mean i when i when i came to mad cave like that was a big thing for me was i still wanted to have some sort of hand in creative i didn't want to just be a business guy um but uh i also really relish being able to work on these, you know, deals. Um, I talk to licensors every day. Um, I'm constantly working with creators to finalize their deals, all of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, every, every day there's a lot going on. Um, and again, you know, uh, I meant, like I mentioned earlier, we, we have some really huge initiatives that are coming up. Um, so I've been working on those too. Uh, you know, every day there's, there's something, if if not a million things to do, so. Uh, you're about to head into or Mad Cave. It's about to head into New York Comic Con in uh, you know less than two weeks. What are the big things you guys are going to be pushing there? You think? Uh, well, we'll we'll be pushing Flash Gordon and Gotcha Man. Mm -hmm. Um, we'll also be making some fairly big announcements at the show. That I can't spoil here. <laughs> fair, <laughs> My director of marketing fair. would murder me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we we have some big announcements. We have uh, quite a few uh, guests uh, that'll be signing at the booth. Um, a lot of exciting things that are happening right now at Mad Cave. Um, I'm I personally am a little sad because we're we're going to be announcing all this stuff and I won't be there because I'm going to Frankfurt Book Fair instead. Um, but yeah, we, we have a lot planned. I will say that our booth, um, the, the booth is awesome. Um, I'm super excited about seeing the pictures from the show. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're excited. We're doing big things. We're, we're, you know, making sure that we're appearing and showing big things. Um, we're also going to be at storm the block this year in Abu Dhabi, mm -hmm. um, We'll be at Angoulême, uh, you know, at the beginning of next year. Um, you're going to see a lot of Mad Cave over the next year. So now, uh, one of the announcements that came out of y'all uh, this week was that Mad Cave is going to be adapting the 1990s animated properties King Arthur and the Knights of Justice and Princess Guinevere and the Jewel Riders as YA graphic novels. Uh, so, you know, you guys have been doing a lot of stuff in the license space, but dealing, looking at this one, you know, how did this deal come about specifically? You know, were these properties that someone at Mad Cave had a fondness for and was like, oh, I wonder who holds the license. And then, you know, you, you, you do some quick research, you know, how, how, did, how does this happen? So I would say that all of the licensing deals occur in just that fashion. Um, 
we tend to we get together we uh we go through pitches all that sort of thing but then we also talk about uh, on a regular basis the things that we enjoy and the things that we like um you know the mad cave staff is pretty varied um both in age and in reading material that we enjoy all of that sort of thing and we all talk constantly um princess guinevere and king arthur uh were pitched to us by our senior editor uh lauren hitzusen um she's a massive fan of both properties and maybe i'm showing my age but i had no idea that these properties existed uh, <laughs> um but uh her her enthusiasm and her excitement about where she thought those properties could go uh was you know really um enticing to all of us we were like man if 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 everybody you know becomes an advocate for these properties like she is like maybe we got something here um we reached out to the license holder and i think they were a little shocked and surprised that that we were interested and um but what's really been exciting about that particular uh both those books is watching because I, I get copied on everything. So I'm seeing all the scripts, I'm seeing all the art, and I'm also working with the licensor. So you're seeing all the licensor comments and excitement. And basically, like, that is, out of all the licenses we do, that one um, has the most internal and with the licensor excitement, I think, out of all, all the things that we're doing. Um I shouldn't say that entirely, but because uh, a couple of our other licenses are also pretty exciting. But um, yeah, it's just been it's been really great, like seeing the enthusiasm around that one. That's excellent. Uh, of course, you also recently acquired the the Flash Gordon license. Now, that's a property long proud history in comics, published by so many different comics companies. You know. When, when you take on something like that, that has that history, is is the goal or is a goal of it, you know, putting the Mad Cave stamp on it? You know, what are we going to do with Flash that's going to be, you know, not doing something wild and crazy, but but doing it, I guess, the Mad Cave way? Yeah, um, it, actually, I would say that that's our, that's what we'd prefer to do with all properties um we don't look at anything uh, you know there's low-hanging fruit out there and we try not to look at anything where there's a lot of um, restrictions um where we can't do anything but just repeat the formula um because for us that's not exciting or enticing to us um what's more exciting and enticing to us is taking a look at an existing property talking to the license holder and saying uh you, you know they're probably looking for revenue um and we try to aim, aim that discussion where it's like yeah revenue is important we all care about it but we think we could generate a longer lifespan for this ip and greater revenue if we are allowed to play in that world a little bit um and i think uh basically with flash and with gotcha man we've gotten that green light and i i i am over the moon with what we're doing with both those properties um you know flash gordon is uh has been done by a lot of people um it's also basically in the dna of comics as a rule um when i went to the gubert school i would walk in every day and there was a framed alex raymond page on the wall like right where you walk in and i would stare at that thing every day i mean um you know and we're going to talk to the nostalgia of that ip um but we're also doing new material um there's going to be a ya flash gordon there's going to be a middle grade flash gordon title um there's an amazing series that's being that's coming together from a, like a who's who of creators um for floppy comics as well and that'll bring all new adventures of flash and others uh to bear 
Um, so there's a lot going on there. Uh, and Gotcha Man is sort of the same thing. Um, we have a crazy plan for Gotcha Man with all sorts of, even though it's rooted in the 72 to 73 original anime, um, we're, they're allowing us to play with that. And uh, there's some pretty amazing creators that are working on that as well. I think they're going to be announcing some of that at New York Comic Con. But so I'm just curious, and this might be have been hinted at with that and others, and thus might also fall under the you can't say. But I was curious if Flash comes with the rest of King Syndicate with the Phantom and Mandrake and all that, or if those are separate licenses that you didn't pursue or you can give us a no comment on that one. We are doing defenders of the earth. It's on and done. <laughs> so uh, earth is part of that whole overall license. So. Interesting. So, so with flash Gordon, you know, you've got, it sounds like, you know, you've got, got plans kind of across the three lines Imper- here. Mad Cave, Paper Cuts. Maverick. Maverick. You know, I and, and that was one thing I was kind of curious about. Like, how siloed really are those are those divisions, I guess, of the company? Um, well, I mean, they're fairly siloed. I, like, each one, we have a different sort of thought process and ethic for how we approach them. Um, you know, paper cuts, we have some really unique things going on there, not just from a licensing standpoint, but also from an educational standpoint. Um, you know, there's a curriculum program in development right now for one of the, the new titles that's coming from paper cuts. Um, we have other educational things that are in process right now that I I can't say too much on, um, but we have some really cool things that are happening that are really geared toward getting kids to read and getting kids to read comics, um, you know, getting comics into libraries, getting comics into schools. Um, you know, we're really kind of focused on that. Um, Maverick, you know, we want those stories to stand apart and to stand on their own two feet and sort of be what. It feels like uh, YA really wants at this time, you know, stories that are about uh, coming of age, um, finding out who you are, um, LGBTQ friendly, all of those things, Um, you know, kind of really more based on life experience. They may be in the trappings of genre, but still have that whole life experience uh, feel. And then Mad Cave, you know, our Mad Cave is... Like I said, big box adventure, you know, we want to do, um, you know, widescreen entertainment through the Mad Cave line, um, you know, horror, noir, action adventure, sci-fi fantasy. Um, you can find all of that in the pages of Mad Cave book. So. When you, when you decide that you want to get into a certain license property, you know, what are the challenges there? And then ultimately, what does having those properties in-house help you uh, achieve as a publisher? Well, um, the challenges uh, to licensing are knowing when to stop. Um, you know, there's we have a long history in our industry of companies that overly rely on licensing um, to the point that they aren't doing strong books and you know when the licenses stop producing or get over published people stop buying them and don't care about them anymore Um, you know we're trying to strike a balance with that and not do not overly do licensing Um, I also think you know the challenges can be multi-level i mean you can deal with um a licensor that doesn't get their approvals in on time thus pushing out your book you know Um, those are things that we can't control um a high minimum guarantee um that's so high that no matter how many books you sell you may not achieve it you know um so you're constantly thinking about those factors. And, and again, like I mentioned earlier, we really prefer to work with licensors that let us play in their world rather than simply 
doing what's been done before. Um, that that is a challenge sometimes to find a licensor that's open to those things. Um, the benefits are that a license is something that people know. Uh, a license comes with an audience. You know, that's a built-in audience. You're not trying to find a brand new audience for your brand new comic book that nobody knows who you are or what that book is. You come walking in and you say, I'm Batman, you know, I'm Spider-Man and you have this thing, right? Um, so that's a benefit that it comes with an audience and that audience usually will follow that IP wherever it goes. Um, you get the added benefit of that license opening doors, perhaps, Uh to press, to marketing, and to consumers that you didn't have access to before. Um, and the hope is that the licenses that you pick are strong enough and you can do a lot with so that it resonates and people really end up enjoying what you've done with that license. Um, you know, I've, I've worked on licensed publishing many times. And um, it's not always super fun. Um, you know, there's there's lots of things that you have to work through, um, especially because licensors, you know, they have expectations as well. And um, they may see that the way you chose to market something uh, wasn't successful and that might upset them. You know, you're constantly trying to find that balance. Uh, you want to make them happy. You, you want to make yourself happy. You want to make the fans happy. Um, so all of those things are, are a factor in how we look at every license. And on the other hand, you know, Matt Cave has plenty of original content as well. Uh, you know, what, what is the philosophy currently when it comes to greenlighting, uh, original or, or creator owned comics, you know, just in the past year, uh, you guys have put out a few that I've had my eye on, like, uh, you know, uh, Nature's Labyrinth by Zach Thompson, Under the Influence by Elliot Rahal, uh, Pretty Soon the Devil That Wears My Face by David Pepos uh, and, and Alex Cormack. You know, where's kind of the mindset now with that that side of it? Um, it it's a mix. I mean, uh, the titles that you mentioned are, are creator-owned, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, we also make our own books um you know the owner of the company uh started this company so he could publish his own comic books that he wanted to write and um yeah he was moderately successful early on and that success allowed us to grow slowly um slowly but surely um we continue to publish books that are ideas of his uh that we may hire um work for higher talent to execute um he also, we also publish all of his books. Um, I have a book that'll be coming out, you know, um, we all try to get, you know, projects that are sort of unique and that we can look around the market and say, you know, this one's just different enough that we think that there's an opportunity here. Um, and that goes for the creators as well. I mean, we try to work with, indie creators that we think are um, either up and coming or already well-established and, you know, have a great fan base. Same with mainstream creators. Um, we try to work uh, and look at all of those properties and go, you know, there's like 16 vampire books out on the market right now. Do we really want to do it? Even if this idea sounds kind of cool, do we really want to do it? You know, um, we have to make those types of decisions all the time. Um but the goal is to be different um, at the end of the day. You know, Mad Cave, um, we we like being a little weird. We like doing books that people don't expect, um, you know, don't spit in the wind. At first glance, like you could take a look at that book and go, what the heck is going on here? Um, but there's something awesome about it. You know, there's something really weird. And the story is is almost a love story couched in these trappings of ridiculousness. Um, and that is, you know, that that's the kind of stuff that we get excited by. Um, you've been canceled. Um, you know, that book, it's a kinetic freight train ride from the first page on. Um, like it never lets up. It's just nuts. And it keeps going. And the artwork is super fun and crazy. And, you know, those are the kind of books that excite us too, because it's, 
it it talks about social you know there's a social commentary there um but there's also the action and the the craziness and the over the topness that we expect when we when we crack open a comic book yeah matt you're reading a couple of matt cave books aren't you uh yeah um uh, under I, under the influence is one I'm reading right now, and I've got um, Devil Wears My Face coming on my as already reserved from my poll because both Elliot and David are previous guests and creators whose stuff I like. Yeah, yeah, no, it was they're very exciting. We had uh, I think we had David signing um, signing for us at Baltimore, um, you know, kind of because we did some previous stuff for Devil That Wears My Face and. Um, yeah, no, those guys are great, and we love those books. We're super excited about them. You know, we have our own homegrown uh, kind of hit in Nottingham. Um, Nottingham is kind of the the big title, you know, from Mad Cave proper. Um, and both of those creators, uh, you know, David and uh, Shane, he's going to kill me for this. Uh, <laughs> um, no, this is they, why you always record in front of a bookcase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, David, David and Shane are both um, talent search winners with Mad Cave. You know, they won the talent search and uh, our owner had that idea and basically handed it to him and said, okay, make a book. And, you know, none of, none of us really knew, um, but that book has really resonated enough that it has an offshoot title and tales of Nottingham. And, um, you know, it's it's exciting. It's it's fun. You know, noirish. Uh, I I love I love the whole Robin Hood turned on its head uh, legend for that. Um, and those are the kind of things that we're looking for. You know, like we're looking for that. Oh, I never thought somebody would write something like that. that is really unusual. You know, and then it kind of makes sense. I can't I can't help but notice that, especially with you know the, the, the a few of these create the creators that we mentioned. Uh, you know, David Elliott, Zach, et cetera, you know, they, a lot of them announced projects at Mad Cave a few months after there was an exodus of talent from another publisher that, uh, you know, kind of getting back to what we were talking about with uh, <laughs> not, not to name names, but. <laughs> well, I think, um, you know, un unfortunately in the, in the independent comics market, um, you know, there, there's been a, a bit of a war of attrition and um, our hope with Mad Cave is that, um, again, I'd never heard of this company until I came to work here, you know. Um, and the goal now is that we're trying to show people like. You've heard of us now, um, we we have a uh, we have a pretty strong and incredibly fair create our own contract um we reach out to everybody um you know we're hopeful that every time you 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 see us in the news it's uh a, a, a new exciting project with new and exciting creators um that is the goal and unfortunately you know like again i i don't want that to be because other companies are having problems um you know the the industry is stronger um, for all of us, really, if if we're all kind of helping each other and, and watching each other have success. Um, but, you know, I have to worry about Mad Cave and, um, you know, between myself and Mike Martz and Chris Fernandez, our publisher, and Mark London, the owner, um, you know, we're, we're, we try to keep our finger on the pulse and we try to see who's out there and we reach out to everybody, even people that say I'm booked for the next three years, but I'd like to talk to you then, <laughs> you know, we get excited <laughs> about that. So, um, and we have a lot of creators that, that do that as well. Uh, so you met, you mentioned Nottingham. Uh, I, I do have to ask, you know, who, who at Mad Cave is the big medieval history buff? Because in addition to that book, uh, you know, you've got the King Arthur deal that we just mentioned. You've also got one of the uh, your new original series is Crusader uh, from from Matt Emmons and Andrew Larkin centers on a Templar knight who gets transported to a fantasy realm. Uh, how intentional is that trend in your publishing line? <laughs> uh, it's not intentional. 
Um, I would say that really the 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 big reason for a lot of that stuff is just that those projects, uh, along with In the Shadow of the Throne, uh, if you want to go to Maverick, um, all of those, all of those, and an asterisk, of course, mm-hmm. um, all of those things are unique in their own way. Um, and we try to look at each of those as a project that stands on its own rather than saying Mad Cave is the home of medieval fiction. You know, <laughs> I don't ever want to pigeonhole us in that way. Um, sure. We really try to march to the beat of our own drummer and make a decision on projects that just have that vibe about them that makes you kind of go, this is different, you know, like this, like Crusader. Um, you know, at first glance, you could say, oh, it's a Knights Templar story. Then you take a look at it and it's really not. And there's way more to it. And it's super fun. Um, it, you know, same thing with Nottingham. Um, again, you know, the Robin Hood legend completely turned on its ear. Um, I, you know, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn. And then I get this book and I'm like, Robin is a terrorist. What is like, <laughs> you know, Um but it, it's fun, like seeing those like kind of alternate takes and um, and seeing the the really the passion that all of our creators pour into things. Um, I know our marketing team, you know, really works so hard to market these books and seeing how engaged our creators are and how much they all seem to like go out of their way to tell us how much they love working with Mad Cave. Um, you know, that's that's kind of that kind of makes it all worthwhile taking these chances on these different types of books. So we've talked about the three lines, Mad Cave, Paper Cuts, Maverick, and each of those, as we've said, obviously have different missions. Mm-hmm. How do you, you, and I say you either in the personal you or the Royal you of the company, uh, balance attention among the three to make sure you're serving each of the audiences. Um, you know, that's, that's a great question. I mean, we have a a pretty, again, a a pretty well-rounded, um, executive staff. Um, you know, Mike March is our editor in chief. Um, I'm, I, I have 30 years experience in comics, you know, under my belt. Um, Chris Fernandez, uh, is younger. Um, but he worked in a shop for a long time and he's just a guy who, has a really, really great handle on, especially on the indie market. Um, and then Mark, you know, uh, between the four of us, we all have vastly different likes and vastly different things that make us excited. You know, my what makes me excited is great art. Um, you know, you look at my bookshelf and it's like great illustrator after great illustrator after great illustrator. I love that stuff. Um, you know, Mike, comes from Marvel and DC and, you know, has like a great sense of, of storytelling and exactly what he's looking for and cover placement and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Chris, again, he, anything weird, Chris gets super excited by, he loves weird. And then Mark is a child of the nineties, you know, he grew up with the image, you know, explosion and, and he loves like, I don't know, uh, you know, well, I don't want to say too much. Um, he he loves a lot of really like kind of big, uh, big explosive uh, IPs. And um, so he kind of looks at it from that angle. And between the four of us, we have thoughts as to what we think works. But then we have a great senior editor uh, editorial crew as well. And they all come from even, I mean, they make us all look like I don't know, like we are of one mind, those people come in and they have all sorts of recommendations that are very off the beaten path. And, um, you know, I like to think all of us together as a team sort of come to agreement on the titles that we feel really strongly about and that we think can work. And we place them based on the subject matter and sort of the readership that we want to gear that book toward in its imprint that it makes the most sense for um yeah that's that's pretty much the way we we try to choose um and try to keep those imprints separate because each one is very different in the material that it offers and some of them you know 
paper cuts and um, Maverick, it takes a long time to make those books because those are graphic novels, you know, and they're they're much bigger and thicker and heavier page count. Um, and they require like a lot of uh, editorial oversight um, over that time period. Um, whereas Mad Cave, we can we can move a little quicker because we have we're doing floppies and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, each each one has its own mindset and we try to be mindful of where things can go when we take a look at any property. And how has the process been of building relationships with uh, comic shops? Uh, you know, not not always the easiest customers to please, uh, probably the first to be the first to tell you what will and won't sell, but uh, important relationships all the same. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we try to look at that as one shop at a time. Um, you know, we know that we're, Although we're not, we know that to a lot of comic shop owners, we're the new kids on the block. Um, and we also know that, again, it's been a war of attrition, right? So mm -hmm. you'll see publishers come and you'll see publishers go. Um, we were working on like our next year is our 10th year and we're already working on the next 10 years of what Mad Cave is going to look like. Um, so we believe that we're in it for the long haul. We absolutely have planned it so that we're in for the long haul and um we reach out to all the comic shops directly um we have sales reps that, that work for us that do that um we try to make the best relationships that we can with each of them we also work with our diamond and our lunar reps um to make sure that they're telling us what the word on the street is or what people are looking for. Um, you know, that's all part of the constant dialogue of how to reach the comic shops directly. What is what is a book that you've put out in the past year that has exceeded your expectations? Let's say we've had a few. Um, you know, Tales from Nottingham was um sort of a we 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 thought it would work, but we weren't entirely positive. You know, um, doing a sequel to one of your own books um, can always be, uh, I, you know, it's a bit of a crapshoot unless you have a Spider-Man or Batman. Um, so we weren't sure, um, but the response to that book has been great. Um, it sells really well. Um, like Nottingham, it's uh, an interesting title because it's a book where the next issue sells more than the previous issue. Um, which, as we all know, does not happen in comics. Um, so that's been exciting seeing that. Um, and outside of that, I would say the books that um, I'm always excited by, Paper Planes uh, from Maverick, that book has just exploded. Um, it's one of our bestsellers. Um, Jenny Wood, uh, you know, Dozer Draws, like that team like they know what they're doing and they know their audience and people have been super excited by that book it's won awards it's getting more and more readership um every you know it's sort of like a perennial seller for us and that one has been really exciting to watch um we have an upcoming book called digital lizards of doom um which Good title I, yeah yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited by um and it's it's a great outreach book for kids um and it talks i've never seen a book like it um i've never seen a book that takes sort of the uh i don't know if they call it irl chat that you would see on a video game okay. uh, you know when you're like playing call of duty or something and there's like a chat kind of ongoing chat thing on the side mm -hmm. they take that and they put it in a comic book and the other side of the page is the comic itself and the characters in the book don't realize that they're trapped in a video game and there there's a lot going on, but kids grasp it so quickly and um, the, the love that they have for it is super exciting. Um, so we're really excited with what's going on with that book. Um, you've been canceled. Um, we all loved it when we first saw it, but we weren't, we didn't know, you know, we, we were just kind of like, man, we got to put this out. It's like the running man on steroids, you know, mixed with this social commentary, like we, you know, under the influence. Um, I don't think I could see another publisher publishing a book like that. Um, 
but we wanted it and we loved the the basic concept. And so we thought we got to get that book out. The artwork is great. Um, the story is fun and unique. Um, you know, will it translate? We don't know, but we're going to try. And, uh, you know, those are the books that we get excited about internally. Um, but yeah, Paper Planes, big one. Tales from Nottingham is a big one. Uh, we're really excited about The Devil That Wears My Face. Um, you've been canceled, uh, under the influence. I mean, we're publishing some good stuff here and we're, we're really, really happy crusader. I mean, we're happy about that one too. We're excited about that one. Um, so yeah, just a lot of stuff that we're doing, a lot of stuff that's coming, um, this next year, like I said, is going to be, you're going to see an incredible amount of product from, um, Mad Cave, but all, all really strong. Um, you know, we we try to do our best to make sure that we're not publishing anything that, you know, none of us would read. You know, mm -hmm. we want to publish stuff that we think people will want to read. And we think that if retailers, um, you know, are looking for an alternative to kind of the mainstream and are looking to show that they have a good indie showing, you know, I think I, th I think you can do worse than Mad Cave. So. Uh, at the at the same time, you know what what is the biggest challenge that you you see coming over the hill, either you know industry wide or for or for Mad Cave uh, personally? Uh, well, I mean the direct market is challenging, uh, mm -hmm. especially I think right now. Um, I think that we're I think we're in a period of transition. Um, the direct market always recovers, but. I think we're in a period of transition right now um, where the direct market is trying to figure out what it is um, and what it makes sense to support within that market. Um, I think also the challenge is always there in actually directly reaching consumers. Um, you know, the challenge is there, like kids are reading books on their phones or on mm -hmm. tablets um, or on their laptops. Um, not everybody is going into a comic shop, let alone a bookstore. Um, so finding ways to reach those people in an effective manner um, where they can be engaged and want to come back and all of that, that's a challenge. Um, the book market in general is facing a massive challenge, um, you know, 30% down since uh, the beginning of this year. Um, and that is directly hitting, you know, adult and young adult fiction, that uh, that shrinkage of market. And everybody's fighting for a lot of the same space. Um, manga, which everybody kind of looks to as like the savior of the comic industry, manga's even down. You know, manga has, has contracted somewhat. Mm -hmm. So trying to find what makes the most sense, trying to find the best way to reach those consumers, trying to find a way to keep your partners happy, uh, meaning just distribution and retail partners. Um, trying to find a way to balance all of that is basically what publishing means on a day-to-day -day basis. That's what you're doing. You're constantly trying to find a way to juggle all those, all those things and, and effectively, um, you know, make changes and, and get people's eyes on you and get people excited about what you're doing. So this entire interview, I, I've been looking over your right shoulder at the uh, Rush Funko Pop in the uh, top corner of your bookcase there. What 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 am I looking at there? Uh, yeah, I, I I might be a uh, giant Rush fan. So um, <laughs> I've done like five, six books with them, uh, with the band themselves. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just a big Rush nerd. That's why there's so much Rush. Uh, there's actually an upper shelf that is all oh. Rush there so <laughs> my gosh <laughs> yeah that's my uh my secret shame and also secret happiness so <laughs> that's good. no shame in that no no friend um <laughs> boy uh so if i ask you favorite song that that's like 10 minutes of hemming and hawing right there isn't it <laughs> no no I, I i know my favorite i know my favorite right off the bat okay and it is free will that's my favorite song okay all right uh, I will, uh, I'll call and raise with YYZ. We'll agree to disagree. <laughs> I, I love that song too. I, I love, love Rio Strangiato. I love, uh, the fountain of Lamneth. I mean, digging deep, but yeah, I love, I love, uh, all rush and 
that song is just my favorite because of what it says lyrically mm -hmm. and what happens in it musically. Um, you know, that solo section, all three band members soloing at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mind blowing. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I was very fortunate. I got to see them once live in uh, in Camden. Nice. It was, it had to, yeah, it was 2011 because it was it was the moving pictures anniversary tour. Oh, yeah. 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 I saw them 32 times. But the only time I didn't see them in California was while I was at the Kubert School. And I saw them on the Counterparts tour in like 93. It was either 93 or 94. I graduated in 95. So only concert I ever saw them outside of California. So. Okay, then. All right. That would have been about the right time. What is it like watching Getty trying to rap Roll the Bones live? <laughs> I think they actually uh, they actually take the recording from the album <laughs> and they play that while but it's very funny because they have a they have a huge screen behind them and all of these uh famous you know it's like Jack Black and Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel and uh Jerry Stiller and like a bunch of people they're all rapping <laughs> to the <laughs> it's it's pretty funny um but yeah that that's what i've always appreciated about them is um you have to you have to you have to be into the band to know it but great sense of humor yet also like the highest integrity the best musical chops um neil peart you know like best songwriter ever in my opinion <laughs> I have to I have, I have to qualify it because I know somebody's watching this going, what is he talking about? So yeah. Uh well, children, go go look up Rush and you'll understand. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So uh we've already talked about New York, but uh you know, are there other conventions, appearances uh, of the Mad Cave crew people should be looking out for in the next couple of months? Yeah. Um, you know, uh myself and our director of sales will be at the Frankfurt book fair. Um, um, myself and the director of sales will also be at storm the block, which is a comic convention taking place in Abu Dhabi. Um, that's uh, in December. Um, we'll, I'll be at Angulam, uh, which is taking place in January. Um, after that, I, I expect that you'll be able to see us at Emerald city, uh, likely C2E2, um, San Diego, New York, um, along with, I, I will say that we're, we're going to be making some announcements, uh, at the beginning of the year for a much beef, a uh, much more beefed up, um, touring mad cave experience. Um, there's a lot of stuff happening that is in the works right now, but we will be at more shows in 90 or 2024 than, uh, than we were this year. Penultimate question: What are you reading right now? Oh boy! Um, well, I got a huge pile over here. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, my, my favorite comic book of all time is Bone, and um, they have a they have a, a new like kids kids title that just came out. Um, so I picked that up. Um, trying to look at my little pile over here. Uh, what's what else? Let's play, which is a uh, a manga. Um, trying to get myself quantified with that. Uh, I've been reading Department of Truth. Um, love that book. I was turned on to that by our publisher, uh, Chris Fernandez. Um, of course, keeping up with Nottingham. Uh, keeping up with all of our titles. Um, yeah, I'm I'm always a little like. I always have a pile. It feels like <laughs> an office here. That's like I, everybody's told me I got to read this, so I got to keep up with it. Um, you know, I, I still buy books from the big two as well, um, just mainly because I follow artists. Um, anything Doug Mankey does, I'm going to buy. He's long time been one of my mm. top two or three favorite artists. Um, He's got the new Batman book coming up with Jason Aaron, right? Yeah, yeah that's the one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Doug and I did Brightest Day and Blackest Night together. Um, we, we worked on Batman. We worked on um, 
you know, Detective Comics, um, Justice League. You know, I, I got to work with Doug on all that stuff. And uh, I was a fan of his before I even broke in as an inker. Um, you know, I loved his stuff on The Mask and X. And um, a lot of my inking samples in those early days were over his pencils. Um, so he was just the, the guy. It was so, so exciting to be able to work with him. Um, you know, Chris Pacello, kind of a similar thing. I worked with Chris for years and years and years, but before that, I was a fan. Um, Jim Lee, of course, um, you know, anything he'll put out. Um, but then there's guys like Dan Panosian. Um, I'll buy anything that Dan writes and I'll buy anything that Dan draws. Um, he is just, he's the bee's knees. He, he's uh, another top five guy. Um, Dave Johnson, same thing. Um, if Dave Johnson does a cover, I'll buy the book, even if it's a terrible book, I'll buy it anyway, because I love Dave. I mean, talk about, you know, an amazing artist. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of sort of the way I do things. I, I tend to jump around with the artist that's working on the book, Olivier Coipel, uh, Jim Chung, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll buy anything those guys do. So. Mark, this has been a fantastic time. Final question as we release you back into the world. Uh, how can people follow Mad Cave online and keep up with everything that y'all have going on? Yeah, um, you can go to our website, you know, uh, madcave.com. Um, we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on, uh, uh, what else are we on? <laughs> uh, uh, what's the one that starts with a D? Um, uh Discord? Discord. Yeah, we're on oh. Discord. Discord <laughs> and on whatnot. We uh yeah, you can tell I'm really up to speed on my social media. Who can keep track anymore? Yeah, can't keep track of it all. Um but yeah, we we post we even post uh pretty regularly on LinkedIn. So we're we're kind of uh everywhere if you look. Just type in Mad Cave, type in Maverick, um, type in paper cuts, you know. Um you can find us. And I'm Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcast, Battle of the Atom, and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, a Batman ranking podcast co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at patreon.com slash comicsxf, where a dollar donation gets you a shout-out at the end of every episode, a $2 donation gets you early access to WMQ&A, and a shout-out at the end of every episode, a $3 donation gets you a sticker, early access, and a shout-out, a $5 donation gets you access to our monthly bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the comic appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom. A $25 donation lets you request a primer, one of our custom reading guides for a series, character, or creator, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons Will Redmond, Tobias Carroll, Natalie Jordan, Mike Sagawa, Will Nevin, Liz Large, Asimov Fangirl, Carla Pacheco, and Robert Secundus. You're all special, and we love you. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at WMQ Comics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. You can also follow ComicsXF on Facebook and Blue Sky. And until next week, remember, in the 1970s, Stan Lee reportedly used to maintain a collection of toupees that made it appear as if he was growing his hair out. Excelsior! W-N-Q-A! And for, and for the record, yes, I like New Jersey. So <laughs> I, I was just ready to come home, man. It was cold. No, we understand.